On today's episode of Talkin' Hockey, we'll be talking about the Dustin Bufflin situation. We're going to talk about how the Jets finally won one at home. And we've got a new segment called Matt's Stats. We'll also go over Ovi. Is he going to catch the great one? Tune in to find out. It's Talkin' Hockey. Let's roll the tape. Here's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. Hockey fans, thanks for tuning in. It's Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. This is Season 2, Episode 15, if you can believe it or not. I am co-host Tom, and I've got with me, as always, co-host Randy. Randy, can you believe it? Episode 15 of Season 2. You know what? I can't. I think Season 1, we only, what, hit 10? I believe we went to 10, yeah. So, yeah, we have surpassed our uh, outcome or our production of podcasting episodes <laughs> that's right yeah uh, so yeah we're at 25 uh 26 actually because we had an episode 2. episode 0. zero that's yeah. right yeah yeah so uh anyway i think i wonder if fans out there are like man i like their early stuff <laughs> <laughs> they sold out the same way that i am about like every single band i listen to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i definitely prefer the first four albums uh, oh yeah then they got all then, mainstream yeah yeah Today on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show, well, we're going to get into all kinds of stuff. We've got a sweet new segment uh, called Matt Stats coming up later in the show. We're going to uh, try on Kevin Dayoff's pants. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Jets and Alexander Ovechkin. He's chasing, uh, chasing history, I guess you would say. Um, but before we get to all that, I would like to talk about what I've got in my hand right here. And it's a beer by a local brewery called Non Such uh, Non Such Brewing Limited, um, and they are located in the East Exchange District. We've not yet featured them on our show. No, no, I don't believe so. Um, and this this beer of theirs is called Louis Rye Ale. If you say it fast, it's Louis Rye Ale. Riel, like, I get it. And I get name, it. Yeah, the picture of Louis Riel on the can doesn't uh, doesn't hurt. So this this is a um, well, it's a rye ale. So instead of uh, whatever grain they usually use, they use rye. And I've had uh, Wayne Gretzky actually has one branded in his name, the Wayne Gretzky Rye Ale, uh, ninety nine or whatever it's called. And I had that over the holidays. It was pretty good. And I've had this one before. Also very good. Nice. Um, but we've not had Nonsuch on the show before. And Nonsuch is named after a very Manitoban thing. Do you know the story? Well, the boat? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know about the well, boat? Well, we all took field trips to the Manitoba Museum. Okay. Yeah. I didn't grow up here, oh, so I didn't right. know yeah, about yeah. that, no, right? No, no, we yeah. all... I, I guess back in the day, it was called the Museum of Man and Nature. Oh, okay. But they uh, changed it yeah. not too long ago to Manitoba Museum. Yeah. 
And I guess if you think about the neighborhood, that's roughly where Nonsuch, the yeah. brewing company, is in the old uh, Peg Beer yeah, location. That's right, yeah. That has, uh, and they've got a real nice brewery away. situation there. I guess they have, like, I when I was there, they didn't have food going at the time, but I think they now do have a kitchen or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, but it's a real nice space. They've got uh, very cool, classy, uh, great spot for a date. Uh, Not going to lie, you know, ever since Sucrum's opened over here in that neighborhood, (laughs) (laughs) I find it pretty hard to go anywhere else. But uh, I do enjoy, actually, you know, yesterday I had a couple uh, New England IPAs from one great city. Okay. uh, The Intrepid one. Right. We had them at Leopold's. That's right, yeah. I grabbed up a couple cans and uh, crushed those at home. Very nice, yeah. I don't think I've seen that in the can. Maybe I... It's at the the Pembina Beer Store, yeah, also okay. in the neighborhood here. Well, that's where I got these, so... Nice. Yeah. But I do support other brewing companies. Yeah. Just Sucrums is just that's too the, close. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, literally a stone's throw. So, um, uh, yeah, well, let's crack these Louis Rye Ales and uh, see. Also fitting because very soon is uh, the February long weekend, Next which weekend. is known as Louis Rial Day. That's right. So, anyway, there's a little bit of something for you. Let's crack them and uh, have a taste. Yeah, it's nice. Oh yeah, that's it, one that I can picture um, in baseball season in the in on a hot day in baseball season. You know, crushing a few of these. Yeah, and crushing some dingers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get that dinger that juice. Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait to play baseball in the summer again. I love it. But anyway, we're talking hockey, so let's talk about hockey. Um, check let's us out. Talk on- about the troops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little uh don cherry quote for you there actually speaking of don cherry he's got a podcast now hey have you listened to it I, i've not listened me neither no, but i'm no. sure it's yeah controversial yeah well i think that's the idea anyway <laughs> i don't know what he could possibly be talking about to be honest uh, i think uh ron often directed their conversations ron was recently speaking of podcasts he was recently on um spitting chicklets chicklets. yeah i I haven't listened to that no i've yet to listen as well so you know what i just noticed i finally watched well we didn't have hockey on a saturday for once that's right we had hockey on friday so i finally watched hockey night in canada yep well because the jets were playing and uh i finally watched the intermissions something i never do right and so in the second intermission, was that where they do like Beyond Headlines? I think it's called. But also Rudy's take or whatever, like right, that yeah. thing with Kelly Rudy. Yeah, Rudy's take or something yeah. like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, and then and then the first intermission they have Brian Burke to the point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they also had the panel there with yeah. Cassie Campbell, Pascal, and yeah, Elliot Friedman. Yeah, and Chris Johnston, who right. I honestly. Chris, I hope you don't listen to this podcast because I think that you are the worst sports reporter in all of Canada. There you I'm go, sorry, Chris. but I can't handle you. Big shout out there for <laughs> CJ. Yeah, look, uh, I, I try to remain positive, uh, but um, that's just something I had to get off my chest. Well, you know, like, let's just talk hockey insiders here, you know, because that's kind of what we're doing with right. this episode. We're not insiders. No, we just like to talk, ho- talk hockey. That's right. But the biggest problem that I find with all these quote unquote insiders or whatever you want to call them is, and I was just thinking about this as I was eating my pierogies here before the episode Yeah. that like good Ukrainian boy. Oh yeah. Um, that it just seems like that they all are just, 
clamoring at being the first person to say something for sure. And, so, be, and like, just like, you know, like just like this whole thing with the Dustin Bufflin situation throughout the whole season, it seemed like people were just saying something just to put it out there or just to say something. And then they can like look back on their Twitter timeline and be like, Oh yeah, I, I, I broke I, that. I was the one who did that yeah. whatever. And when I was thinking about that, it reminded me of high school or not high school. It reminded me of gym class growing up where like there was always like those really good floor hockey sticks Yeah. that like you would just do whatever it took to be the first one <laughs> to get the best stick. Because <laughs> the just, other like, ones were wet noodles. Yeah. So like we would do like dumb things like hide them underneath the bleachers or like, you know, put them like behind the the curtain that pulls the like that cuts the gym in half or whatever. Like yeah. we do all these sketchy little you know little games to like make sure that we got the best stick. Yeah. And that's basically what I feel like an NHL, NHL insider is doing. They're doing all <laughs> these silly little games to be the one that has the coolest floor hockey stick. <laughs> I thought yeah. all that while I was eating pierogies. Nice, nice. Well, that, those are good thoughts. Um, yeah, so as you alluded to, Randy, we're we're just a couple dudes who talk hockey. We watch hockey, we play hockey, we talk hockey. And so that's why we got the podcast. Um and and yeah, we don't I don't think we pretend to be insiders at all. Like I think we're pretty genuine in the fact that we have no clue what's going on and all the some of the big stories that have have come out this year um cuz there's been no shortage of things that, you know, hockey experts have have analyzed to death uh, as they do. But like, I think we, we do a, we've done a, if I don't mind saying so, I think we've done a good job of just kind of giving maybe our two cents and, and leaving it at that, you know? Um, so one of the things I think that we'll give a couple cents about is the big story that broke today, uh, essentially. And, and who knows if it even broke, cause I think it, it's a case of, uh, you know, an, a hockey insider. What was that? Frank Saravelli Frank, guy. Frank Saravelli. Yeah. He, he, he broke the story that the Winnipeg Jets and Dustin Bufflin are, are working on mutually terminating the contract. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. It, <laughs> so within the next couple of days. So that seems to be the story everybody's picked up and run with. And so wouldn't it be embarrassing if that didn't happen? But, um, there must be a reason that he, I mean, I think if he's any sort of qualified or, you know, uh, if he's a journalist of any standard, then I think he must have a pretty good idea. Well, the one thing I read in the article today was the fact that I guess, you know, the, the whole situation was, you know, the grievance was filed, but there yeah. was never any, never a date set. Yeah, exactly. So then it's like, what, what's going on then? Yeah. Like, you know, why don't you just rip the bandaid off? And yeah. maybe, you know, it, it all one day we'll all like look back and we'll understand what happened or whatever. But if Dustin Bufflin is not interested in playing hockey, there's nothing that you can and, do. And the Jets want to move forward and like give themselves the best possible chance to have a good team. Then maybe, you know, like the time is now and they yeah. got to go, they got to do something. Yeah. So yeah, it is definitely kind of like ripping the bandaid off right now. I think, and, and, you know, it's funny about that too, is we heard reports from insiders breaking stories that he was skating. I think it was Darren Drager in who, December who infamously made the growing optimism, uh, I love remark it. about one day we got to immortalize that clip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, for those of you unaware, yeah, Darren Drager, he, he, this is like early in the season. He said that there was a sense of growing optimism that Dustin Bufflin 
was going to be returning shortly. He then went on to have ankle surgery like a week yeah. later. Yeah. Way to go, Dregs. Yeah, and then so after the ankle surgery, I, th- I I don't know if it was him or if it was somebody else, or but somebody reported that he was he was skating. He was work testing the ankle and skating. And it was starting to rehab his ankle with some team input or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So it came out today during this Frank Saravelli story about the, um, the contract termination that no, he's not been skating. (laughs) So, you know, I bet you, Oh, whoever's leaking this information, man, I, I, I want to meet that person. Yeah. Just be like every single day. They just leak something else. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin Bufflin's considering a, you know, a profession in, softball or something <laughs> he'd be a wicked softball player i bet he could just crush oh, yeah. that ball i'm sure he has oh my god and he you know he likes his pops so he'd be yeah he'd be an asset to oh, any yeah. slow pitch team uh, i got some recruiting to do <laughs> make sure he that ankle is fine though eh? yeah well you don't gotta run too hard in slow pitch so <laughs> you well, can even all, you can even, home run trot every single time yeah, yeah well you can even get substitute runners it's all good so anyway, so Buff, if you're listening, you just been offered a contract. Yeah. Yeah. You can play on Batitude this summer for sure. Um, so yeah, I guess, um, that's kind of the big news of the day is, is the Dustin Bufflin news. And, and so I think we're going to get into this a little bit later yeah, in the show. Let's spitball some potential outcomes now that maybe the Jets know, you know, what they're looking at for salary cap and stuff. We'll, we'll tackle that in the wearing the pants segment. Yeah. Um, but you know, the good news is it looks like there's going to be some sort of resolution here soon. Yeah. Which I think has, um, been, a, a a sticking point for the jets in terms of what they haven't been able to do this year, uh, which is fill holes that they need because they've had this kind of roster spot reserved for Dustin and, you know, and now it looks like, okay, well, he's going to be gone from the picture and, so I think there's been a lot of reaction negatively uh, <laughs> online, no no shocker there, about about the situation and like, you know, people kind of holding him to blame for the Jets' fortunes this season and whatever. But I don't know. I mean, like we, I don't think you can pin everything on one player. And and yeah, sure, it would have been nice to know this before training camp and everything, but. I, I don't think it's going to sully my opinion of Dustin Bufflin. He's he's pretty much been my favorite Jet since they came back. And I think, uh, you know, I'm still going to rock my T-shirt with number 33 on the back. And and uh, I still I still like him as a player and everything. And it's kind of sad that his, um, his uh, era of Winnipeg Jets hockey is, is coming to an end this way. And hopefully, you know... Uh, hopefully in time we can look back on it and just say, Oh, it was one of those things, you know, contract wise, blah, 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 whatever. Um, it had to be done. But like, I think, I don't know, like, do you think that what he's done as a jet warrants putting 33 in the rafters at some point? Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say like, cause like maybe in 10, 15 years or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like not tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I, I like, it's hard to say because there's been no standard set yet for, exactly. for jets 2.0 players to be retired. Exactly. You know, like who would be the first one, I guess maybe Mark Shifley. I yeah. don't know. Or like Wheeler. Wheeler. Maybe, I guess, or... I guess, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
it's hard to say, but one one last thing, like, and then we'll talk about the Jets' victory there against the Blues. But I think even say this, if this whole situation played out in the preseason or in the off season, and the Jets say ended up keeping Tyler Myers or something, mm. I don't know. Do you like? It's not like I don't think they'd be they they wouldn't be like running away with the league right now. Like no. I think they have been able to stay in the race, um, and maybe the his absence maybe brought the team closer together because they had to stick together and yeah. that kind of thing. But you know, I don't, I for anyone saying like he's ruined the Jets season or he's a big part of why they're not winning or whatever, I I don't think that's the case because say you did have. Myers there or like Troop is stuck around or Sherrod or whoever. Yeah. I think the Jets are still, they still would have a similar, been a very, very similar situation. Yeah. But anyways, I'll listen, I'd, I'd we'll agree get, with that. get figured out here soon and yeah. uh, the Jets will make a run there for the playoffs. Yeah. So they're trying to push right now. They're still a couple points back from the last wild card spot. Uh, they, this past weekend they had a home back-to-back, which is kind of rare. They played Boston on Friday. Then they played um, the Blues on Saturday. And uh, they split those games. The Boston game, I didn't see. I just kind of watched the highlights. Um, Looked like a rough affair. Uh, It was a close and tightly contested game. They lost 2-1. And then they bounced back the next night with a big W over the defending Stanley Cup champs which was a refreshing game to watch for a Jets fan because um, they looked good for the most part, except for the end when they well, kind of... At the, at the four-minute mark there, yeah. were you thinking this one might slip slip away? Like towards the end there yeah. when the Blues made it 3-2? Made yeah. I did, yeah. I crossed my mind. I was like, oh boy, here we go. But um, no, they, they hung in there and Hellebuck ended up with something like 38 saves or whatever it was, and he was... He was uh, Definitely spectacular. Um, and uh, Jack Roslovic had a two-goal game and maybe even an assist. He did. He had three points. Yeah, and he Sammy assisted. Niku with had, had two assists as well. So, um, yeah, so I guess if you want to get Roslovic going, you just demote him to the third line. Which it's is, a- you know, like maybe that's where he's suited. He's maybe more yeah. suited with... Uh, uh, Andrew Cop instead of instead of Blake Wheeler. Yeah. Maybe their their games just don't right. coordinate or whatever. Um, I th- like overall like it wasn't to to me. It it didn't seem like the Jets were running away with it. Like no, it it kind of it it felt like the Blues still like you know Schwartz. Like it just seems like that guy can come out of nowhere and, and take take the game back or whatever. Yeah. And by no means did it, did it ever seem like they were losing control of the mm. game. Like I think they 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 always they all always felt that they were still in the game. And they out, they were up, are down by three. They outshot the Jets, I think. But it, it it did seem like the Jets controlled the play for decent stretches of time. And they that third line of Roslovic, Cop, and uh, who was the winger on that one? Was Harkins. it Harkins? Yeah. yeah. They they had a they had a great game I thought because um, now Mason Appleton is with Blake Wheeler and Nikolai right. Ehlers yeah and then uh, they had Shawzy in on the fourth line with Shorzy and Borksy Borksy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I quick aside Bork like I never even really thought about that last name just because it's always been something I've related to hockey because of Ray Bork so my wife Lisa was watching or listening to the 
announcer call the game and and he says Bork or whatever and Lisa just went straight to Swedish chef from the Muppets oh, yeah. or whatever that is yeah. I think uh, Bork 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 yeah. it never crossed my mind but I like it anyway. that's cool yep <laughs> yeah and then you know um, the number one line stayed together still with Shifley Connor yeah. and Liney yeah. and what uh, Wheeler had the empty net goal Liney yeah. had an empty net goal yeah but Roslevic scored two and what cop got the other one yep yeah yep yeah so uh, basically you know the third line did all the scoring good to see some secondary scoring for sure and and the jets top goal scorer connor he's kind of gone cold all of a sudden and ehlers i would say yeah. like ehlers was just off you know if you think about last season and also like nikolai ehlers being pretty cold in the playoffs and then they, they did that whole off-season report where Nikolai watched all his shifts from the whole year. Yeah. And then he came back, you know, scored a bunch of goals. He was leading the le- leading the team in goals for a while there. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, like his off-season work really paid off. It's really showing. And then it just seems like he's kind of gone ice cold yeah. again. Well, he did have a really nice assist against Boston on line A's goal. He... he uh... Yeah, well, that, yeah, he got... He got possession in the zone and looped around took, the net. Took a lap yeah, and yeah. found uh, line A with a nice feed. So I think I know why, uh, or my brother tells me he knows why Nikolaj has cooled off. It's because my brother has got a white Heritage Classic Jets jersey with Nikolai Ehlers' num- name and number on the back. First day he got it, he mustard stained it. Uh, we were at the <laughs> Jets game and he got a jet dog and a little mustard went on the jersey. And anyway, my brother said he washed it recently and to get the mustard stain out. Oh, jeez. Washed uh, the mojo off. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> he took, he cleaned the mojo right out of that jersey. And now Nikolaj is kind of trying to find the mojo again. So, well, I saw, I think the deal of the game for fr- Saturday's game, I think, was uh, aviator jerseys 40% off. Oh, yeah? yeah. I wonder if that means next year is aviators won't be existing anymore and they'll have something else i wouldn't mind that um interestingly like they have uh, something like three aviator jersey nights coming up in the month of february they've got a lot of home games so they're getting yeah. them in there and i think they um, have one heritage jersey yeah yeah um night but you know they actually have a decent record with the aviator jerseys on well didn't they wear them against the blues yeah. Yes, and they won. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they have won more in the Aviators this yeah, year like than they the, did last year. I, I'd be interested to compile those numbers. I don't know how one would find that out, but like my gut tells me that they they have a decent record when wearing the I, Aviator Baby Blues. I, I would just I would guess that it's more wins than losses for yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 yeah interesting. So uh tomorrow night uh tuesday this the, tonight being monday uh february the third. third uh tomorrow night they're playing the nashville predators big game big game divisional game so they've got they played the blues last night or saturday night they play the preds then they got the blues again and then i don't know what's after that but they've got more uh divisional they've, games they've got chicago coming up soon yeah. they've got the rangers they've yeah. got ottawa yeah they've got la yeah, there's a bunch. I, I think um, Ottawa and the Rangers are up next. 
and then it's Chicago, LA. Yeah. And those games against Nashville and Chicago, like those are must wins because all those teams are all fighting for the same. They're all right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like Nashville is b- below the Jets in the standings, but not far. Yeah. They can't afford I think to give two them or two three points. points. Yeah. They can't afford to give them any points. They need a regulation win. And even, even like that Boston game, like it's a 2 1 game. You got to do what you can just to get that one Would've point. Would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, did you see how the winning goal went in? Yeah, I did. With the skate, they wouldn't stop loop playing thing. that on sports. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. It, it, in a lot of ways, it was kind of like, well, that's just how the Jets' season has been going. Pretty much. So uh, now I heard the the equipment staff has burned all the skate laces. <laughs> <laughs> they just use tape. Yeah, yeah. Hey, whatever, whatever gets the job done. Yeah. So I've got the schedule in front of me, and yeah, so. Uh, this coming Saturday, they've got a matinee against Ottawa and then another, it's another home back to back. So Saturday in the afternoon against Ottawa and then Sunday night against Chicago, both at Bell MTS place in downtown Winnipeg. Well, Chicago is definitely playing some good hockey lately. They are. And they've been owning the jets this year. So that will be an interesting game to watch. Um, yeah, then they've they've got uh, a lot of home games in the in the this month. So they need to they need to get that home record way above five hundred because I think right now it's at five hundred yeah. or something. The Boston loss put them one game below. Yeah, and then St. Louis won the win against St. Louis put them I think eleven eleven and two or something like that. Right. So actually, a losing record if you take OTLs and. Well, SOLs which or whatever. is uh, which you get a point for, but it's unreal that with like back whatever a couple years ago, the Jets would be like, didn't they go on like twelve game win streaks yeah. on home ice? You know, just like they, they, at, at home they were just unbeatable, and they didn't even necessarily have that great of a, yeah. a team. Or but whatever. now it's like they don't even yeah. want to be in Winnipeg. But I guess they played so many road games to start the season or something because it just feels like over these next two and a half months, which is the rest of the season. They do finish the season on the road, though. Like, I think oh, the last yeah, three games are got, on the road. Yeah, four, yeah. maybe even. Four? Yeah, something like that. No, three. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, so, big game against Nashville, who has not been great lately. Like, um, Well, they got a new coach. Yeah. And they lost to Toronto, uh, I don't know, that might have been Wednesday of last week. And, um, you know, they looked pretty... I watched a bit of that game, and and Toronto, you know, like I, I think I mentioned it last week when we kind of took our tour around the league. When Toronto has the puck, they're kind of scary. But then when they don't, they... they, they they're beatable. Yeah, very yeah. beatable. So, but Nashville just—they were flat and they didn't look good. They don't have much for goaltending this year. So, I, I really hope the Jets can take it to the Preds because their Preds are actually only one point back of Winnipeg right now, and they have games in hand. So that's kind of scary because so when yeah, I watched the Preds, <laughs> I was like, "That's not really a good team." All those head-to-heads, like especially tomorrow. Yeah. Jets need to win those games to uh, distance themselves from those teams behind them and just worry about those teams in front of them. Yeah, because they're basically, if you think about the wild cards, they're they're fighting with Vegas and Calgary and 
Arizona, like though the Pacific is so close together that all those teams are basically in the mix for their spots plus the wild card spots. So it's a pretty tight West. Yeah, it it really is. Yeah, there's yeah no no shortage of tightness going on there. And one of the, I mean, um, let's let's move on to uh, the Battle of Alberta. Speaking of tight races in the West, because there were just recently. Uh, two more installments of the old Battle of Alberta, um, a close one that the Flames won, and then a blowout that the Oilers won. And in the blowout, there was a goalie fight, which we haven't seen in about six years or so. Um, and uh, so that that race, I mean, it's it's looking like they're both, and the Oilers are playing really good. They beat the Blues re- just the other night as well. Um, and they're playing good hockey all of a sudden. And... You know, they've been winning games. I think McDavid was held off the score sheet for like two games in a row or something. Uh, Drysidle scored a couple, but, you know, and like... Drysidle is leading the league in scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he took over the league. It had They'd been tied, I think, for the last last while, but... Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't watch much here is here. of yeah. the second game where Edmonton won, what, 8-3? I think I watched up until when it was 4-3. Yeah. So it was before the goalie fight. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hate both teams so much that I just don't <laughs> want to watch them. But I wanted to watch that very first one just yeah. to see what what happened. And yeah. actually, I was at the outdoor that night and then came back and I watched it. And then I basically tuned in just in time for Cassian versus Matthew yeah, Kachuk. Yeah. Um, how actually, much? Actually, Perot. We got to talk about Perot, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah, Battle, Battle of Alberta. Yeah, no, I was, I mean, I don't know what else we can say about it because we've, we've focused on it before. And now that the sort of uh, Kachuk Cassian thing has happened, I think, you know, they're able to move on. But there's obviously some hatred there, which is good to see because it's, I've, to me anyway, it just feels like old time hockey. And, and it's not even old time hockey, but it's, it's just like, it's, it's emotion and, yeah, there's, and there's physicalness and too. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which I like because it seems like a lot of the times in the regular season, you don't really necessarily get that, and especially, um, you know, the the we, we watch a lot of Jets. Obviously, they they're not the most physical team anymore, mm-hmm. and especially now that Lowry's out of the lineup and there's no Bufflin anymore, and and all that kind of stuff. But gone are the days of Chris Thorburn, the greasy pirate, running around <laughs> yeah. just, you know, laying the law down. But um that's the way the game goes. And, uh, but you know, I, I think there's a place for physicality and, and all, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, yeah. like what I was going to say is Matthew Perot, like he got injured in that yeah. Boston game there. So and now, so like, if you think about that, you've got no pro, no Lowry and no little. So that's basically like that, a pretty, pretty good NHL line. There's that's a third not, line right yeah, there or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not to mention all the rest of their injuries. It sounds like Poolman should be back soon. Um, and I don't know who else, but like Beaulieu, I don't know if he's... Yeah, he was supposed to be back. Yeah. So but... it sounds like there's a couple of guys that are supposed to be coming back or should be back pretty soon, but uh, they've yet to make an appearance. But it sounds like, yeah, like Lowry's out for a while. Little's probably, who knows, he's done for the year. I don't know. He's practicing, but he's wearing the non-contact jersey. So yeah. I think he still hasn't cleared his concussion tests yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and then pro like uh, they said minimum luck. two weeks or something. Like that was that was a you know he got hit pretty hard. 
Mm. And that guy just can't seem to stay healthy. No, he's had a rough go of it lately, the last year or so. And uh, just getting dinged up for sure. So we got a couple minutes here uh, left in the first. We got to talk about Ovechkin chasing history. Yeah. Probably, you know, if you think about Gretzky's records, like goals, assists, points, you know, 50 and 39 and all those crazy ones, you just would assume that they were all untouchable. But this one, it looks like, you know, the. so you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think 50, I don't think anybody's going to get 50 and 39 now. They somebody might, but like I just feel like that one's one of those ones. It's like that's going to be when tough. you think about it. It's yeah. crazy because well, like in ninety-two goals in one season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Ovi's got thirty-seven right now. He's got fifty-two games played. So Gesundheit. So um, you know, he's he's the opposite of fifty and thirty. He's thirty and fifty kind of thing. <laughs> well, he's thirty-seven goals, but you know, six hundred and ninety-five on the career right now. So he's recently just passed Mario. He passed Stevie Y. He passed uh, Solani a little while ago. Um, I f- What's the record? Like eight oh three? Gretzky's got eight oh two or something. Okay. Uh, so he's still got like a hundred and change to go. He's got a way. Yeah, yeah. I think he needs four fifty goal seasons to even come close. Okay. And he's thirty four. I think thirty five, thirty four. So he. You know, so he could do eight he, 25 goal seasons. <laughs> <laughs> if he's like Yager and plays till he's a hundred. Yeah, he could. I just, it, it seems, I, I don't think he's going to do it. I don't know. Yeah. That's my gut is just saying no, but I, I'm very interested in watching him try. I would say it's going to be tough, but I, I would honestly love to see him do it because it would be like, cool to see one of Gretzky's records fall like yeah. in our lifetime, you know, like maybe like in 50 years, there's going to be some other crazy hockey player that comes and smashes them or something. But, you know, like, especially when you would just think that those records were untouchable. The yeah. fact that, you know, there's a, there's a chance. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Gretzky's got 894. Okay. 802 is when he passed Gordy. Gordy's got 801. Okay. So um, let me expand this list if I can figure it out. So then Ovechkin's like 200 goals behind Gretzky. Yeah. So Ovi is currently eighth on the list. Uh, 695. So yeah, he's 200 goals behind Wayne. Okay. So yeah, he needs four 50-goal seasons. Wow. Um. Which I don't know. I mean, it's it's doable. He, well, we've he's seen doing him. He's, we've seen him do it. He's doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, perfect timing. Yeah, there's there's the whistle to let us know that uh, the period is wrapping up. That's that's all we've got to say about uh, Ovi, I guess. Um, we're gonna end the first period here, and we're gonna come back in the second period with a brand new segment. We've been teasing it for weeks. It's called Matt Stats. We finally got him on the line. It's uh, listener Matt in Regina, big stats guy. And we had a nice little conversation. Um, So let's take a break. We'll get back into it uh, in a moment. So see you soon. Keep your stick on the ice.
And welcome back to the second period there, hockey fans. It's Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show, and it's time for a little segment we like to call Matt's Stats. It's the first installment of this segment, and we've got on the line with us from Regina, Mr. Matt. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi, Tom. Um, so, what is it about stats that you like? And, uh, you know, like, to you, what, what do stats tell the average sports fan? Um, well, like, I've kind of a loaded question. That's like, why do you like sports? Like, it depends <laughs> what stat you're talking about. Like, wins, probably. Yeah, I, wins are good. Yeah, I guess maybe my answer should have been, like, stats are just kind of telling a storyline. And that's, we can go weirder from there. But, it's like, it's just a way of looking back on the game and seeing what happened, right? Like, if you want to go by just, like, win-loss columns, those are stats technically too, right? Right, right. So what what is it about stats, though, that draws you in? Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, well, let's go backwards because I'm more of a baseball guy. So, like, the whole reason why I'm even, like, a stats nerd is probably due to baseball, which kind of kick-started, like, the pro sports and advanced analytics or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I, like, I'm a big Blue Jays fan, and for the longest time, we were bad. <laughs> and one of the nice things that uh, the Jays did was they hired some stats guys, and they started really going heavy into the prospects and kind of, like, the development process. and It was all about the process. Um, and you can see it applied more to all the teams. And it was kind of fascinating trying to think like a front office because I think we all think we're GMs, right? Yeah, there's a lot of armchair GMs out there for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. And then the more you start getting into it, the, what I really like about it is it starts to make you watch the game a little bit differently. Maybe, I don't know what to say, smarterly because that's not a word. But... <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you're only following it for um, the win-loss column, that's fine too. But if you like, if you're listening to a podcast about hockey, you probably like digging deeper into things and like why this guy's doing good, or I thought this prospect was going to be better, or whatever. And I'm not saying they have the answers, but you start asking the right questions uh, when you start digging into that. So, Matt, I'm going to go off script here a little bit. You you mentioned baseball, and obviously, baseball having uh, you know, you know, a plethora of stats involved in the game from, uh, you know, batting averages on a Tuesday compared to, you know, everything as, as deep as those stats go, you know, the way that we're seeing hockey go is like, they're really trying to infuse statistics and, and analyzing those stats within hockey. Um, you know, you being a stats guy, you know, how is that going to translate to hockey is, is, you know, is, is there enough, uh, information and and uh and you know uh uh you know basically uh, for for hockey in 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 the stats point of view i think you're already seeing it um i guess maybe this is kind of off script too but like pro athletes are so amazing these days that even like the worst guy on your team like the 25th guy on your roster is still super important because there's probably a bunch of guys that can do that job and they all have different tools in their tool belt, and it's about finding the right guy. Like, even, even at the granular level, like, if you think back to hockey, let's say 20 years ago, you could burn a couple roster spots and some guys that were dressing room guys or enforcers or whatever you want to call it, but 
that's kind of feeds over the game. And I don't think it's any reason other than the stats have shown that you kind of need goals more than you need heart. Put it sort of one way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, as far as with hockey advanced stats go, um, have you seen like it, it? It's kind of in its infancy, but it is. Some teams are really applying it, or seem to be applying it more so now. Do you have have we seen advanced stats come into uh, like affecting any contracts or anything like that that anybody that you know of, or like any examples that you can think of that where maybe advanced stat- stats have led to roster decisions? Uh, that's probably a question you could answer better. Like on a baseball one, I could probably tell you. Like, here's an example. Like a pitcher that doesn't have any wins, and he gets like a $50 million contract, and you're like, well, what the heck? That doesn't make any sense. But then you realize, well, maybe pitcher wins aren't that great of a stat. Maybe a better stat is look at how many strikeouts he got, and he led the league in strikeouts. That seems like a skill that's more repeatable than racking up this other random stat called wins. Um, Goalies is probably a good example, too. Like, have you ever seen a goalie that didn't have a good win-loss record, but an awesome save percentage get a big deal? Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely some goalies on teams that don't get a lot of wins, and and yet, you know, they face a lot of shots, and so they're still performing good, I guess. Like, like 30 years ago, um, you could watch SportsCenter, and you would be like, this guy's a winning goalie, he won 30 games last year, but it doesn't take into account that he had, like, Hall of Fame defensemen in front of him. Right. It feels like teams, when they're handing out contracts now, there's like not that many bad contracts. It's probably how you know that the stats are. I don't think it's stats. It's just that they're making better decisions. Mm. Yeah, like I don't know who the worst contracts are in the NHL right now, but they're probably not that bad compared to what they used to be. Yeah, I mean, I think some people, as far as goalies go, would debate the Carey Price contract. I think it's like... A million yeah. years and a million dollars or whatever but uh it's yeah I, th- I think i think with goalies i don't know if you want to uh necessarily be paying them as much as carrie price makes but hey i don't know <laughs> but yeah the other thing like i guess i would say with like free agency and the nhl um let's roll it back like before prospects play a game in the nhl they have zero stats right and we talk about this all the time, but, like, how do scouts know, like, how to draft guys? Like, if you couldn't see their stats online like we can these days, like, do you still should be able to pass the eye test with anything, right? Yeah. And I feel like the stats are there as, like, a backup. So, like, let's say you have a kid that passes the eye test and the stats test, then you definitely give them the money, whereas before there was probably a battle between the two. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe my point is I think front offices are just so good these days and like they're just so good at identifying talent and developing it. Right. Um, and the better you get at it, you probably are like, oh, well, this is the stat, but we'll never know the stat because we don't work for the Jets and they probably keep it under lock and key. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of teams have now like a more, uh, like a larger and more in-depth stats department they don't just rely on the public stats you know but yeah uh hard to say so of, of all the stats out there like do you have a favorite stat for hockey 
really like this is where hockey's like going to be so hard to really apply any good stats to it because like baseball's kind of binary because you have like what happened before and then one guy bats and you know exactly what happened and it's all stationary um and you have teammates but they don't really count whereas hockey like you know everything's so fluid and it's a real team game so like it depends on what you're looking for my favorite one is probably point shares which takes into account your offense and your defense um but even still like there's problems with that because well there's like a million problems with every stat but like every stat is misleading but that one seems to be the least misleading because if you look at the leaderboard of it at the end of the year you're like okay those are the best players stuff so so matt can you give us a definition of of what that what that stat means really nerdy so i'm sorry <laughs> that's why you're here <laughs> yeah, buckle up <laughs> uh baseball has this war stat or wins above replacement and basically the idea is every year there's free talent available like on the waiver wire or the free agent pool or whatever and these are probably like veterans that like were on a one-year deal last year or let's say a kid that's too good for AAA but not good enough for the majors. So those guys would be theoretically free for league minimum. And the idea with this stat is if you had a team full of those guys, you would be terrible. So how much better are is a dude better than a replacement player? So it's win above replacement. So point shares are kind of the same thing. And it, if you had a team full of nobodies, your hockey team would probably win zero games. Kind of the assumption. So, uh, like, in relation to that stat, like, who who name some guys maybe right now that are at the top of the league in that in that uh, field? Um, like total or offense or defense? Uh, total. Uh, everyone you assume is at the top is probably leading. I don't have it in front of me right now. I'm sorry. But okay. If you were to load up the leaderboard right now, um, it's everyone who you think and probably probably a couple goalies, a couple forwards, a couple defensemen, and some are going to be offensive studs, some are defensive studs, some are just really good hockey players at both. And it doesn't quite show up on like the goals and the assists, but it'll show up in that stat because they're racking up ice time and good things happen when they're on. So how do how do you how do you measure point shares? Is it essentially just like goals for minus goals against, or like like what uh, like what's the the measurement for it? I guess. Um, it'd be better. I can't really do it services talking while I'm drinking a beer. But if you go on <laughs> hockeyreference.com, they do a great breakdown of it, okay. and they're pretty articulate. Um. I would say it's just imagine every minute that you're on the ice. Actually, better way of putting it. Imagine if Tom, you suited up right now for the Jets. Yeah, they'd be okay. lucky to have me. I'm a real force out there. Yeah, yeah you'd be awesome. Unfortunately, yeah. I sprained my wrist the other night, so I, I I'm on the DL. You what? I sprained my wrist. Oh no. Yeah, it's actually already mostly better. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine you're healthy and you're playing for the Jets. Um, you would be terrible. <laughs> so how bad? How bad do you think you would hurt your team? Like you're not gonna like 
totally kill them because there's other players on the team and you're a human body, so you might get lucky and trip someone or something. Um, but you're definitely going to hurt the team. So you are a negative player. Okay? okay. So all the guys in the NHL, there's a group of players that are zero players. Like they'll play and they're not doing good or bad. They're just stuck at zero. Yep. You put the puck in the net, you might get a point or two. I don't, I don't know how exactly how to calculate it. The more you play and good things happen, um, the more point shares you rack up. So there's an offensive side and a defensive side. Okay. You can be a horrible defender if you're putting the puck in the net 50 times. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, so in the end, so if zero is the whatever mean or the, the baseline, I guess, so then it, it's like you're just either above or below zero to some whatever measurement they use, I guess? Yeah, so like if Tom played on the team for a week, you might cost the Winnipeg Jets, not you yourself, because like it'd be hard to lose a game by yourself because you still have other players. You'd almost have to shoot the puck in your own net to like lose the game mm-hmm. yourself. Don't put it past me. <laughs> you probably have to collude with the other team to lose the game by yourself. <laughs> Um, but you might cost the Jets over the course of the season 10 wins, okay. you know, so you probably have a negative 10 point share. But if you flip that on a script, like I think Hellebuck is worth 10 or 12 wins himself or 12 point shares. And could you understand a scenario where if you had, I don't know, a free agent goalie that's not in the league right now, you know, some guy that's on an injury recovery and got him back full strength with the Jets have lost 12 more games without him last year. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think I see what you're saying then. Yeah. Um, so historically we were, we, we had this chat before, eh? Um, yeah. historically the best, tell us about the best, uh, seasons of all time or whatever, the best point share stat seasons. Oh, does Randy know? Um, well, kind of because I'm reading the note, but oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll be surprised. Bye. You yeah okay. you, you you only know the one I, I don't know if you've got that in front of you Matt but like uh, there was there was a handful like the top ten or whatever it was yeah and when you like break it down it makes super sense like you would assume Wayne Gretzky has the best season of all time right you assume that because he has the best career yeah but if you go by single season only it's Bobby Bobby York yeah. And what was it? Was it a 69 or a 70 or a 71? He had this three-year, like, tear of just, like, amazing hockey, obviously. And, so and he was, like, the best defenseman. He was. He didn't allow, like, any goals when he was on the ice. And when he was on the ice, he, like, always scored or his team scored. And he pretty much by himself won the Bruins 20 games or something, is what the stat says. And honestly... Maybe I've never seen him live. I wish I did, but sounds it sounds like if you put him on the ice, he was a one man team almost. Yeah, that as the legend goes, essentially. Yeah, so uh, you were about to say something, Randy. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just going to say, Matt. Uh, his his uh, number would have been so high because he was scoring and preventing goals, correct? And logging ice time. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you, so, you, Go ahead. No, you go. You go. I was just gonna say the more, yeah, like your your point shares will be higher, I guess, if you 
play have more, more play ice time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so like Mario, he's up there too with awesome seasons because he logged tons of ice time. Um, I think Wayne has a, like, for as great as his offense is, like, he, I think he has a negative defensive rating. Whereas, like, when Bobby put up the best seasons, he not only had the best offensive rating, which is crazy because I don't think defensemen ever do that anymore, um, but he also was the best defenseman. Like, nobody scored when he was on the ice. Probably mm-hmm. because the puck was on his stick is my theory, but... Yeah, like, a, it seems like in the in recent times, um, the new coaching strategy has been, like, play defense by having puck possession. And uh, it was like Bobby kind of invented that in the 70s or whatever, I guess. Or it seems like. Um, 60s. Yeah. Here's a random question. I don't know the truth or whatever. Do you think there's less passing now because of that? Well, you know what? If you think specifically about the Jets right now, uh, you tend to see them play more of a dump and chase kind of game compared to two or three years ago where they were like, like last or at their peak, let's call it like two years ago when they went to the Western conference final, um, you couldn't get the puck off their sticks. And the one thing that I found frustrating with watching them last year was they were basically giving up possession by dumping it in and they, their forecheck just wasn't as good last year. So I would say if there was a way to check, I would assume that the jets passing would be a lot lower than normal because they're, trying to play a dump and chase game for the most part. And that's, you know, what we're basically seeing is it's like they're, it's them giving up possession of the puck because they don't go get it as much as they used to. So here's my question to you. I don't know the answer. Do you think that's a good strategy or they need, do they need a different system or different players? No, I, I, I think, I don't think, just like you said, uh, in earlier in the conversation, like there's a whole bunch of guys that are all of the same skill level. Like if you move one out, you can just get somebody else that basically can do the exact same thing. So I think it's the system. I think you should be playing a, you know, a kind of game where why would you give up the puck? Like if you have that puck, you earned the puck. Don't you want to keep, keep the puck yeah. instead of like dishing it or putting it deep and then, like you, just then, it over. you basically have a 50% chance of getting the puck back where you just had a hundred percent of the puck. So why would you give that up? I, to me, it just seems like it's, it's kind of lazy. Totally in agreement with you. I'm, um, I guess another question would be is how much of this is based on like, uh, their five on five situation. Are they dumping it because they're tired? Like, and also, does the possession metrics drive up with winning? Do the teams that have the puck the most win the most? Do you think? That would be interesting to look at. I think that uh, just from, like, say, the playoffs last year, one of the things that I noticed about St. Louis, and obviously they went on to win the Stanley Cup, was just, like, how much they had the puck. Like, they, they defended by having the puck, essentially. And then, obviously, when teams the other team gets it and gets their chances, you know, you rely on your goalie and all the rest of it. But like, I think St. Louis just through watching them in the playoffs last year, they, they didn't, they didn't turn it over when they got it. They, they held on to it and they would just get it deep and then either cycle it or whatever, but they would just try and like basically 
hold on to the puck. It seemed like because like further to that, wouldn't you think, say, instead of dumping the puck in from the neutral zone to like dump and chase or dump and change or whatever you're doing, wouldn't it statistically be better to get it in deep? And then if you do turn it over down low, you already have guys down there and like they're behind their goal line. And instead of being like, I'm dumping it in and then you're basically almost starting their breakout for them, you know, know, with like less guys on the ice because some guys went and changed or whatever. Wouldn't it be better to, you know, have that turnover happen below the goal and then you can at least help prevent their breakout instead of being like, here, go start your breakout. (laughs) Yeah. I got a question for you guys. Um, What's like the typical Jets goal this year? Like what spot on the ice are they scoring from? Is it like a one-timer along the blue line? Are they getting rebounds? Or like, do do you understand what I'm saying? Because I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I hear you. And um, I think, uh, well, well, think about the last two games there. Yeah. The first goal was Jack Roslevic scoring basically on a two-on-one that was created on a puck that bounced yeah. off the linesman. And if that puck didn't go off the linesman, Sammy Niku was way too far down. Right. And they would have been burnt. The, prob- the goal probably would have been in their net. Yeah. But basically, so that it, one... it was a broken play that resulted in an odd man rush for the yeah, Jets. So that one was off the rush. And then they had a rebound one. Um I think they get a lot of off the rush goals this year, to be honest with you. I think, I think, yeah, I, would I don't say- know if that's like the most, uh, like if there's, if you, if you break it down to say there's goals off the rush, there's goals, um, you know, rebound goals, like from in close, uh, power play goals. So typical, not one thing sticks out. Well, no, I, I would say if I had to pick, I would say that there are less goals coming off of sustained pressure by the Jets. Like, I would think that if you added up the time prior to the goal happening, I think it would be lower. Like, I think the Jets are scoring with less possession. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, if you just take, like, a typical Jets goal and then play the tape in reverse, um, is that something you could repeat a lot or... Is that, do you, I guess here's my question. Is the system working or are they getting a little lucky on rebounds and stuff? I think they're getting lucky. I, honestly, yeah. I don't think the system is working as good as it did two years ago. And I don't the, know if the system's changed or if the players aren't playing the system as good as they did before. Or if it's that the system hasn't changed, it's the same, but they have different players who don't play it as well. Or the opponents have figured out their system and they need to make a new system. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one thing that hockey can do that baseball can't, which is kind of uh, an interesting stat, I call it with or without you. And it just basically looks at how your line mates do when you're on the ice and then how do they do with a different line mate. And I think this totally applies in hockey way more than baseball because you can probably gel with guys for sure. And we were talking about, like, Backstrom and Ovechkin. And people might say Backstrom gets all his points just because he happens to play beside Ovechkin. And maybe that's true, but he's still awesome and he still did it. But if you drop someone else in there, do you think they still would have made those passes to Ovi? Yeah, I guess it totally depends who that other person you drop in is. Because if it's, say, like... Well, Backstrom and Ovechkin were meant to be together because one guy's a setup guy and one guy's a finisher. 
So if you would put like, I don't know, maybe Stamkos with Ovechkin, you know, they're both kind of finishers. So I don't know if it'd, you know, be the same. So, but it's kind of like a yin and yang kind of thing that worked yeah. out. And it's kind of like, I mean, if you look at Crosby, he's gone through a million wingers, right? Because he's, uh, He's not an Ovechkin type of player. He's not just a finisher, but he's not really a backstrom, just a setup man. He's just like, he's a super Tanev, eh? He's like the ultimate grinder. So that, but he gets it done. But yeah, no, with, with Ovi and backstrom, it's, it's interesting to sort of, to look at that and, and think, yeah, like what if you plopped Tyler Bozak in there for backstrom? Yeah. But if you put Joe Thornton there or someone like another good assist guy, I think Ovechkin would have. I think it would have been very similar, yeah. but like you need to kind of match the kind of players that they are. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where get back to stats. This is where stats can lie, and like just because he did it, does it mean that he did it? Because maybe even Tom could have made a couple passes and got a. <laughs> <laughs> even me, yeah. <laughs> right on. Okay, Matt. Well, I think we're going to wrap her up here. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show tonight and um, sharing your insight on Matt's stats here. I think we'll get you back and we'll maybe in the future, we'll try and uh, focus in on some specific stats now that we got a broader picture thing out of the way. But yeah, no, uh, anything yeah, to add there? Make hockey, make hockey as fun as doing your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> it is almost tax season. Yeah, Matt, so in for future episodes here of Matt's Stats, maybe we'll uh, talk to you in advance and we'll uh, maybe can re- reflect on some statistics from a Jets game or two and then we can kind of talk about them the next day and see how they factor into the Jets' performance. But uh, thanks for taking the time to, to join us this evening and enjoy your beer in your uh, car or whatever's going on <laughs> over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm live from the Honda Civic. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got that heated garage going, so that's always good. Say hey to your dog for us, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you on the flippity flop. All right, talk to you later, guys. Keep your sticks on the ice. Yeah, thanks, right. Matt. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Yeah. Matt Stats. That was a great first uh, segment of Matt Stats. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thank you very much, Matt. And uh, we look forward to doing it again. Uh, Make sure you uh, save all your long-distance phone call receipts, and uh, we'll give them to the intern. Yeah, the intern will definitely take care of that, for sure. Um, And the corporate sponsors. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, which, you know, if we uh, had any corporate sponsors, you would have heard their ad probably just before we heard the wearing the pants theme song but Um, we had to steal a song from youtube yeah well that's the way she goes sometimes (laughs) uh so uh thank you youtube for uh being generous there um anyway uh welcome to the third period of talking hockey the hockey talking show uh you heard the theme song you heard the beers getting cracked those are of course the louis rye ales from non-such brewery great beer yeah it is really tasty and um Louis Riel, of course, a very famous Manitoban. 
uh, led the Red River Uprising and uh, then got hung for treason. So, uh, but he's been pardoned. So uh, it's all good, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, let's maybe get Justin Trudeau on the phone next episode. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to be talking. I'm going to be trying on some pants, I yeah. guess, is, so, is what's happening here. You know, I wanted to save some of this discussion uh, that we kind of touched on in the first period. But, you know, basically now it seems like there's a resolution happening here soon. And, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff is a smart man. He has uh, run an NHL hockey team for quite a few years, nine um, plus yep. all of his experience prior to that, he was working. like an assistant GM with Chicago That's before. Right. The... Yeah, so he's you know he's got a he's got a fair amount of lines on his resume, so I'm sure he knew what this was building to, right. and what it'll eventually open up for opportunities. Okay, um, you know I I kind of find myself on cap friendly uh, every now and then just to like look at the cap space for teams and yeah. all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, if I guess maybe what they still need to determine is like how much of Dustin Bufflin's will, the contract will count against the cap if it's zero or if it's part of the seven or whatever. Right. But regardless, it seems like when, um, when Dustin Bufflin's situation is finally cleared up, the Jets are going to, I think, have close to $20 million in caps, cap space, like from, because once... The, the trade deadline hits, yeah, like you basically can go over the cap oh. kind of thing. So I think up right now, maybe they're like sitting at uh, whatever it is, like 13 or something. Right. But basically, you know, that's, that's kind of how, if you think about it, like uh, when, when they brought in Stasny or when they brought in Kevin Hayes, if you would have like actually like prorated, exactly. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So basically that kind of opens up a, you know, more space to go into the playoffs with okay. number of contracts plus total contract, uh, the, the sum of all the, the total contracts, uh, long, long drawn out description. Yeah, short. Cl- clear as mud, <laughs> clear as mud. The Jets are going to have tons of space. Okay. So, um, my thoughts were like thinking back to the past because we, we learned from our past, right? Yeah. And so if you think about, I think it was 2014 when Sheveldayoff made a huge move prior to the deadline. It wasn't even on the date. It was like th- two or three days before. He sent Bogosian and Kane over to Buffalo and he brought back Tyler Myers, Drew Stafford, um, th- uh, and a couple of... I know Brendan Lemieux, and then I think two draft picks. One turned out to be Jack Roslevic, and I forget what the other one was. But anyways, five pretty good pieces, two of which that helped the Jets get to the playoffs that year. Yeah. And then a couple pieces, you know, Brendan Lemieux eventually turned into uh, Pionk, I guess if you want sort to put of, it that yeah, way. More or less. And yeah. then, uh, you know, that second round pick, the same year that they picked Kyle Connor. Uh, and I think 17th overall, you know, a few picks later, they picked up Jack Roslevic. So maybe all along, Chevy's kind of had this, you know, in his mind. He's like, I just need this situation to resolve itself because I've got this banger of a deal that I'm about to pull. <laughs> He's got so, a contingency plan. So, you know, um, put it that way, like, 
you're you've got you're a GM of the Winnipeg Jets, and you can basically make a deal, uh, and bring in some pieces to really uh, you know turn your team turn your team's season around. Um, maybe first and foremost, let's just talk about uh, who on the Jets would you if you were the GM. Who would you be willing to part with uh, to right. put together like a, a deal? Maybe let's kind of compare it to like the the Kane Bogosian deal for yeah. Myers Stafford. Yeah, you got to give more. something up to yeah. get something. So um, if, uh, you know, if you think about current Jets right now, who would you be like? You know what? I'm gonna put these cards on the table and yeah. I'm gonna see what I can work with. Who yeah. would you work with? Yeah, interesting. Um, so first of all, I would just like to. Um, uh, I'm, I'm down at the Bay Saint Vital right now and. In the menswear department, checking out the pants, and I've got several I want to try on. So let's try them on. Um, I want. To, I, I think it's easier to maybe first identify who the untouchables are. Okay. And and for me, I would say okay, Shifley's untouchable. Uh, I'm gonna say Line is untouchable. I'm gonna go ahead and say Hellebuck is untouchable. Morrissey. Um, at this point, I'd probably put Pionk there with the untouchables and Kyle Connor. I'd say he's untouchable. Other than that, fair game, fair game. Okay. Probably. Yeah. And which is weird to say because I didn't list Wheeler and I didn't list Ehlers. Yeah. Uh, how about cop and Lowry? Yeah. Like I didn't list those guys. Yeah. Roslevic didn't list them. Yeah. Right <laughs> so, on. You know, it's not like that. I like I like all those players, but uh, but they could they could potentially you, get you something exactly yeah. right, and and so you kind of have to look also at contract lengths and all the rest of it too, like um, who how many years left and all that kind of stuff plays into the math going forward. But if we kind of just throw that out the window for a second, yeah, I would I would I would consider saying. I think at first, if you're looking to improve the team right now, then you're looking towards your Roslovic, uh, maybe Ehlers guys like that, that you would ship out in order to get something of impact back that would help you right now. And, and like, I think that, that Chevy, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, I'd be looking for somebody that's not an impending UFA because I want to have a little bit of guarantee if I, especially if you're giving up Ehlers because he's got years on his deal left, right? So you don't want to be giving that up, a steady a steady guy who's going to score you 60 points in the year kind of thing-ish. Uh, and he's locked up for six years or whatever. You don't necessarily want to give that up for a guy who's a UFA and going to walk in the summer. Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, and and it pains me to say it because I really like Nick Ehlers. I don't I don't really want the Jets to trade him. I heard uh, I heard I don't know if it was uh, man who was it uh, the one guy that writes for the Athletic used to write for the Sun. The, oh, uh, Weeb. Yeah, yeah. He said Ehlers is unt- untouchable in his opinion, but I think that's where I differ with Ken Weeb. Weeb's world, Westall's yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. I um, think in Westall's world, as much as I like Nick Ehlers, he, I don't think he's untouchable. And I think he could fetch you something pretty decent. Well, because he's got a long-term deal attached to him at a decent price, I think that's also got some value in 
to uh, what teams would be looking for. For and, sure. And, like, guarantee, like, I think every other team in the NHL would be like, sure, we'll take Nick Ehlers yeah, on a deal like that, you know, six and by it would, six or It'd whatever. be painful to see him go. It would be. Don't get me wrong. But if you're getting back some pieces or a piece that is like, I don't know, like a Peter Angelo or a Darnell Nurse, is he, I don't know, maybe Darnell's not he's enough. A, he's an RFA. But anyways, so... So, yeah, you went through your list of those are the cards that you would play. So maybe not specifically, like, specific players that you'd want back. Yeah. But, like, what do you think the Jets are lacking right now? Like, What's the biggest need? Is it, like, is it like another scoring? Like, well, I guess you don't want to say scoring forward because yeah. you're just going to give somebody up. Yeah, You know, exactly. that's a scoring forward. But, like, um, what, what do you feel? Like, if, if you're going to, say, give, I don't know, and I honestly, I think the Jets need to avoid the draft picks. Like the, their their first overall or their first round pick for twenty twenty should stay off the table. Yeah, in my opinion. But um, yeah, it's supposed to be a good draft year and all the rest of it. So yeah, and it, so if you have like all those other guys on the table, you could definitely offer up, you know, a couple of those guys and get get some sort of decent return. Like you're making a, a legit hockey trade, like players for players. Yeah. So you know, say if you were gonna take two roster players from the Jets, what would you want back uh, to 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 then fill out your roster? Well, I think it's no surprise or no secret, I should say, that the Jets' biggest need right now is is on the blue line. So what I think they need there is I think they need somebody who's physical, can skate. They don't need a guy who can put up points right now. But, like, I'm not saying an, uh, a Taylor Hall for Adam Larson type of deal. I don't think that was necessarily the greatest trade ever. Don't get me wrong. Adam Larson's been a good defenseman for the Oilers. But I don't think that would be what you would see happen. But but a player maybe of Larson's style, a guy who, uh, you steady. know, a steady defenseman. But I think, like, the Jets need some bigger bodies yeah, back like there, somebody, right? Yeah, somebody who can bring physicality, who can do some penalty killing, who can, uh, you know, whatever, just be steady. And, and uh, like, I, I, don't, I think that is a big need on the blue line. And I think that um, the other need would be maybe another uh, center, like a, a third or fourth line center. I think Nick Shore has done a really good job and Adam Lowry, but he's hurt. But I think that it wouldn't hurt to have that uh, another sort of, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Like I think that that would be beneficial to them. And with little being out and injured, it's kind of like, like Blake Wheeler's done a very good job coming in and being that second line center. And I almost kind of wanted to see him just stay there to be honest with you. But, um, you know, if you can get another, another center who could theoretically be a second line center, then that, that gives you a lot more options. And I think that that would be good as far as filling out the top six goes, um, you know, with, with Appleton skating on the second line right now, I, I, th I think Appleton's been playing well, but like, you know, if you've got, if you've got somebody higher on the depth charts, then that, that bumps Appleton down, then you can play your fourth line more and stuff. Cause right now, Maurice plays the fourth line 10 minutes or less per game. Like I think against St. Louis, they got seven or eight, maybe Shore got a couple more minutes cause he kills penalties, I think. So 
you know, it's, it's, it just, it would go a long way to balancing all the lines. But I think the the biggest need is, is the defenseman who could be physical, solid, reliable, trustworthy, you know, all those kind of words or whatever. So if you think if, say if the, if a deal could bring back whatever you want to call it, like a, a three, four defenseman. Yeah. Or maybe three, four, I would five, even three, say four, two, five, even two to f- two to four. Well, I, I would a hope. first pairing defenseman, yeah, okay. So, but say, I don't. Th- oh, well, yeah. Well, anyways, regardless, yeah. If you were to get that second line center yeah. as well, yeah. Does Wheeler stay at center, or do you put him back with Shifley? Or I guess it would depend who it is, and and then and maybe it could be a thing where like, yeah, maybe maybe Wheeler. I would have to look at the face-off statistics and just sort of see. But, like, if you get a guy in, like, a Ryan O'Reilly, I'm not saying that the Jets are going to get Ryan O'Reilly, but, like, he's killer in the dot, right? And if you get a guy like that, well, that's he's going to be your center. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, you have to think, too, like, Andrew Kopp, ever since Lowry has been injured. He's been playing real good. He's yeah. been really yeah. good at center. So yeah. then, like, Lowry comes back, Little comes back. Uh, you still have Shore. You still have Wheeler. You still have Shifley. Yeah, like that's five centers. They do. They do have center depth. So probably, you know, one of the guys who would have to go is a center, I guess, to bring in order to bring that back. But or or you move Wheeler or back you to the move wing. Wheeler back to the wing yeah. or whatever. But so and, like 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 let's flip this a little bit. Um, you're now wearing Paul Maurice's pants. Yeah. Do you do you keep Wheeler at center the rest of the year? Right now, yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. If 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 uh, Chevy like is if able you... to add a, another, you know, forward a top six or top nine forward, then that might play into depending if that guy's a center or whatever. But would you be like, you know, tomorrow morning you march into Chevy's office and be like, Chevy? Get me another centerman so I can move Wheeler back to the wing. Yeah, would, would that is that what something you you would do, or would you still stick him in the center position no matter what? I've been happy with with Wheeler at center. I think he's played really good there. Um, I'd almost, I don't think I, I don't think I would march in and be like, get me a center. I think I would just, but. You know, and and maybe maybe they bring in a top nine forward who can balance out those top couple two three lines, and that guy's a winger. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't think it that has to be a center. It, it was maybe a little bit of a point where they were like, because the last couple years in a row at the deadline they brought in that second line center, Stasny, Hayes, whatever. So I think it was kind of like that's what we need or whatever, but. Wheeler's really solidified that in a way and and I'm I'm pretty fine with him there. I think he plays the position well. I I don't know like if it's like these guys are pro hockey players like I don't think switching from one position to another is like that hard for them to do. You know what I mean? Like it's it's all the same game. You yeah. know what you're supposed to do out there. Yeah. So it's just and and I think Wheeler's a smart guy so he knows what his assignment is, right? So I think he's. I'm just know. thinking like the Jets at their best. It was Wheeler and Chifley together for sure, right? Like, and yeah. do you then but, try and go back to that, or have you now moved on to I like th- a new? I've personally moved on. Yeah, 
I really like the way that Shifley, Connor, and Line A play together. They're a great line, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that line. I don't think I want to mess with that line. Yeah. Um, the second line, we've seen it move around, parts change here and there, but I think it's, I think, you know, if if we were able to have a fully healthy team on the Jets with little uh being healthy yeah i think you could see little wheeler and ehlers you right. know what i mean yeah. um but that's not that's not a thing so yeah 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 i don't know it's hard to say you're but. right and it's also like you could be in a, just a situation here where you maybe make a deal and you bring in that one d man and then your your other additions are basically internally yeah. from guys getting healthy and it's right. kind of like you know you're you're adding to your team from yeah. what you already had well, if we look at the the salary cap uh, room that is now being created by the Bufflin contract termination situation thing, let's say you so Bufflin makes seven point six million or something like that, um, and the Jets blue line has essentially been you know waiver wire league minimum right. contracts yeah. yeah aside from uh your pionk and uh, morrissey's there essentially um and um, kulikov's you know whatever but if you can add like if you if you take dustin bufflin's 7.6 split straight down the middle and go for a 3.3 million dollar two 3.3 million dollar defenseman like th- there, that's all the world, all the difference in the world, right there. In yeah, a way, you know that's what I mean. Depth for sure. So uh, even uh, like now, the the question is, how do you acquire that player at this time of year? And maybe, maybe the plan, maybe Chevy's plan, isn't to do it at the deadline. I think, though, depending on this next handful of Jets games where they're sitting, he might have to do something to either bolster the troops, or if they go on a bit of a skid, heaven forbid then maybe some parts get sold off. But I don't I think this is a team that competes and stuff, so well if we think about the the state of where we were last week, you know, they had these big four games coming up, Boston, St. Louis, Nashville, St. Louis. They they're for the first they're through the first two already and they're one and one. Two out of four points. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes there. Yeah, if they can get a few more points, go a long way. Well, that is the whistle, the Blades of Steel whistle, uh, signifying the end of episode 15, season two, episode 15 of Talking Hockey. Wrapping up, we're going to toss it to a, uh, a song here, and this song is by Del Barber and the No Regretskis. It's called Gretzky Rocks, and my golly, does he ever, eh? Maybe he'll rename this song Ovechkin Rocks <laughs> in a couple of years. We'll have to wait a few years and see, but... Um, yeah, it's a rocker. This album came out in 2016, and it's all hockey-themed songs. Del Barber, of course, is a, a local legend of sorts. He's a Manitoba boy. I don't know if he's from Winnipeg or if he's from uh, maybe some other town, but anyway. Let's just uh, let's let Del Barber and the No Gretzky's take us away. Here we go. Great show, Tommy. Thank you. 